Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Father, we thank you for this awesome opportunity and privilege uh, to get into your word and to share and reaffirm the truths of the scriptures. I pray that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, our hearts will be enlightened, direction and wisdom will be granted in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I didn't get a loud amen. Can I get a loud amen? amen. All right. Praise God. I just want to share on basic foundation for a successful marriage. Basic foundation for a successful marriage. We all know that uh, marriage is an institution of God. Marriage was not ordained by man. It's participated by man, but it is ordained by God. What that means is that it was God that started it. It was God that instituted it. And if God instituted something, then it, it is important that if we want to know how that thing works, that we consult His Word. You know, and if we consult His Word and act the Word of God, the Word of God will always work. And I realized in marriage, uh, having pastored for a couple of years and having to intervene in some marriages with crises, having to observe marriages that are doing very well, I realized that the most important component in a marriage is the foundation. And if the foundation is properly laid, and if the foundation is properly acted upon, there will be 100% success. Praise God. Now, one of the most popular words that pops up in marriage conversation, relationship conversation all the time is love. You know, uh, Of course, it can't be married without love. So everybody talks about love. But unfortunately, we we are actually trying to redefine what love means in our society. So through films, through social media and all that, every day there is a, it's almost like a new definition of what love is. But the truth of the matter is that love also originated from God. God doesn't have love. God is love. His composition is love. If you pull God apart and you were to investigate every piece of God, you will find its love. And so God has to be the one who tells us what through love is. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, God uses Apostle Paul to give us the fundamental characteristics of love. Of course, I'm not going to read the whole chapter because it's quite... Uh, a long chapter, but I'm going to take one verse and I'll show you four things which are fundamental to a successful marriage. Marriage is an institution that requires the active, committed, consistent, I'll say that again. Marriage is an institution that requires the what? The active, committed, and consistent collaboration of both partners to make it successful. One person cannot just make it successful. Why? Because it's a union of two people becoming one. So the two partners must be active, praise God, and they must be committed, praise God, and what? Consistent. What that means is you cannot be committed in the first one year, 
and lose your commitment in the next couple of years. So they have to be committed consistency for the marriage to work. So I believe that some of you listening to me this morning, some of you are married. Uh, it will reaffirm the things you know. Some of you are about to get married. It will reveal things you need to know or strengthen your convictions in this regard. Can we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and look at the fifth verse? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. Fundamentally, Paul tries, the New King James Version, please, thank you. Uh, Paul tries to define love because love is almost an abstract word. So you see a young girl who meets a young man and they see themselves for the first time and they just say, well, I've fallen in love. Now the question is, how do you define that? What defines love? Is it butterflies in your stomach? Is it goosebumps on your skin? What is the definition of love? How can we measure love? How can we test love? If we were to take love to the laboratory, how do we, how do we test and say this is genuine love? And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul defines love. Paul pulls out the characteristics of love and tells us certain things that if we would look at them, we'll be able to pick out uh, what love is because love is the glue that holds the marriage together. So I'll just look at verse 5 for the sake of time. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, Paul talking about love and says, number one, it does not behave rudely. It does not behave rudely. Number two, it does not seek its own. Number three, is not provoked. Number four, thinks no evil. In this one verse, Paul enumerates, as with other verses, uh, four fundamentals, four characteristics, core characteristics of love. Of course, there are so many, but I'm just speaking these four. The first thing he says is that love does not behave rudely. To be rude means to be offensively impolite or to be bad mannered, to be rough, to be unfinished, rude, crude. At the heart of every successful marriage is communication. And sometimes, depending on how you grew up, your communication method can be very crude. Nothing destroys a marriage like words. And so Paul says that if you have love, because the love of God is shared abroad in our heart, you are not offensively impolite. You are not rude. You don't say, that's how I am. That's how I was raised. The power of communication. Love expresses itself in positive, gracious communication. Give me quickly Proverbs 15 verse 1. I will come back here. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 1. You know, Paul speaks about love not behaving rudely or not being uncaught. Proverbs 15 verse 1, Solomon says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. In Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 1, Paul, um, sorry, Solomon opens our eyes to the immense power of communication. And he says that if the answer is soft, even though the answer is soft, it has the capacity to turn away wrath. The answer is soft. It might look like it doesn't have strength, but it can literally turn away wrath. 
And he goes on to say, but a harsh word stirs up anger. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying that the words that you speak in the context of love must not be rude. We will all get angry. Things will come up. But the answer has to be soft. If the answer is soft, even though there was wrath, it will turn it away. But if the word is harsh, even though there was no anger, it will stir it up. So the presence of anger is the presence of harsh words. The absence of wrath is the presence of soft words. Can I get an amen? Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 11. We're looking at the, the concept of being rude. Proverbs 25 and verse 11. And these are the basic things. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in the settings of silver. And in Solomon trying to describe the use of words gives us a very poetic picture. And that if a word is fitly spoken, it is like the apples of gold in a settings of silver. And the, 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 the active word here is fitly spoken. Can we use either the amplified or the message translation? Is fitly spoken. A word that is fitly spoken. A word fitly spoken and in due season. What that means is that some words are right, but that's not the due season. You see, we must learn to communicate with our partners at the right season. Communicate with your partner at the right time. Timing is as important as the use of words. The right words spoken at the wrong time will produce the wrong results. The right word must be what? Spoken at the right time. And I'll say this to you. I've been married for 11 years now. Nothing will build your marriage like the right use of words. Nothing. The right use of words. The right use of words. No matter how old your wife is, keep speaking to her like a baby. Right? Keep using nice words. Keep appreciating her. Affirm her with your words. Use your words to build your wife. Use your words to build your marriage. Use your words to build your home. You know, some few days ago, my wife was cooking. She was trying to cook something for us. And, uh, and our, my kids were there. We're all together in the palace. She was trying to cook. So I said, listen. I said, listen, guys. What do you think we should do for this beautiful, awesome girl that has been taking care of us all of these years? What do you think we should do for her? So my daughter said, we're going to buy her a white car. I said, oh, a white car will look good on this girl. And you could see the smile on her face. Why? Words build up. Words build up. Words build up. So we must learn that our expression of love is in words. Don't say it is in my heart, but I don't know how to say it. Learn how to say it. Don't say, well, if I don't love you, will I marry you? That's not the, that's not the question. Don't say, if I don't love you, will I be providing? Provision is not words. Provision is provision. Words is words. You don't use words to replace provision. We must not determine how our love is expressed. There is a consistent line of expression of words. Which is what? Of love. Which is what? Words. Praise the name of the Lord. That's why you see that you cannot marry any person without talking to them. Right? 
If you want to marry any person, at least you would have talked and talked and talked and talked and talked and talked for them to agree to marry you. Am I right? Or you guys didn't talk, you just sent text message. Can we meet a warrior and get married? No, it won't happen. There'll be what? Communication. So if you start your marriage with communication, what do you think will sustain the marriage? Communication. Because the challenge is this, we start with communication and as we build up, we reduce communication because we're too busy. But meanwhile, while you were courting, you were not too busy to talk. Never be too busy to keep the consistent communication in your marriage. Still on the subject of being rude, let's go to Colossians chapter 4 verse 6 and let's see a Pauline perspective, what Paul thinks about this subject. Colossians chapter 4 verse 6. Are you still here? If you're here, say amen. amen. Don't worry, we'll soon be done. Thank you. Let your speech at how many times? I didn't hear you. Church, talk to me now. Everyone, let your speech at how many times? When you are happy? How many times? How many times? You know, that's the challenge, right? Because we are all nice when we are happy. We're all nice when there's money. They were all nice when there's cash. We're all nice when they've just bought some nice thing to us. The challenge is saying the right words when you're angry. It's not, it's not, I mean, everybody can be nice when they are happy. Like today, nobody's going to say wrong words. Even if she steps on Peter's toes, I, I like, I like, I like my toes being stepped on. Can you step on it the more? Today is a happy day. Everybody's going to say the right words. The challenge is saying the right words at all times. That's the discipline of the Christian. Let your speech at all times be gracious, pleasant, and winsome. Season as it were with salt, so that you might never be at loss to know how you ought to answer anyone who puts a question to you. The graciousness of words. One of the things that Paul, uh, Jesus was, was noted for was the graciousness of his words. He says, who is this that speak gracious words? Even when Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, he didn't, you know, if it was a modern day prophet, and say, hey, you have five husbands. Say, no, I don't have any. You are lying to the man of God. You are lying to major one. You are lying to prophet. No, he didn't. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said, what you said is true. But you could see how Jesus communicated with that woman with graciousness. With graciousness. Praise the name of the Lord. The number two thing, go to First Corinthians 13, 5. Let's go back there. Number two foundation for a successful marriage is not seeking our own. Love does not behave rudely. So rudeness is a behavioral problem. Number two, does not seek his own. If we all get into marriage with seeking the other person's own, we will have a successful marriage. The challenge is when we get into marriage and we want to seek our own happiness. We want to seek our own joy. It's very simple. If the husband is seeking the joy of the wife and the wife is seeking the joy of the husband, what is going to happen? Both of them are going to be actively seeking the happiness of another person. I mean, of the other partner. That is, the husband seeking the wife, the wife seeking the husband. The human nature is predominantly selfish. You have to conquer it with the love of Christ. Everybody looks after themselves. It's not, it's normal. As we're here right now, if they say, well, they want to start serving food. Or they want to serve food. What do you think? Oh, hey, hey, come on, we've got a reception somewhere and there's food there. Let's all go and eat. Do you realize that nobody will wait and say, let me watch and see how everybody will go, then I'll go. Nobody's going to do that. Right. Come on now, am I? Are you guys here? 
Nobody's going to do that. Everybody's going to look at how to get to the reception quickly. In fact, you will see a wife tell a husband, let me go and I'll keep seat for you. It's the, it's the nature of everybody. So if we want marriage to be successful, we cannot get into marriage with that degree of selfishness. We must enter with a degree of selflessness. Everybody says selflessness. Let's go to Philippians 2, 3 to 4 quickly. Philippians 2, 3 to 4. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Philippians 2, 3 to 4. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3 to 4. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3 to 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or concept, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Verse 4. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Look out for the interest of your spouse. Look out for the interest of your spouse. You come home, you see that your wife is tired. That's not when to say you want pounded yam and it must be pounded in the mortar. Look out for her interest. Look out for her interest. We must not get selfish in marriage. If we get selfish in marriage, we'll destroy our own selves. Paul says, seek not your own. Love does not seek its own. Number three. Go back to 1 Corinthians 13.5. Are these things simple enough? They're simple, but it'll take us our lifetime to practice them. It's not provoked. Love is not provoked. It's, it's best understood when you read the amplified version. It says, is not easily angered. Just give us the amplified. Hey guy, you're just on your own, preaching your own message. <laughs> amplified. First Corinthians 13.5. Amplified. Is not easily angered. And I see that a lot. Nowadays, people get easily offended. If you want to have, can I have the amplified version? If you want to have a successful marriage, you must not be easily provoked. You must not be easily provoked. You must not be easily angered. Don't say, little things like this put me off. No. No. Praise the name of the Lord. You're not easily angered. You're not easily provoked. We must learn to endure things. We are not married because we're having a competition of who can get angry the most. You know, some people boast in not forgiving easily. He said, I know how to hold things in my mind. I can hold things for a long time. That's not something to be boastful about. Or you see, you, you know, you hear people boast about wrong things. Say, if I get angry, even my father, go and ask my father. My father knows me. Even when I get angry, I don't easily forgive. You should be ashamed to say that. Don't boast in how angry you are. See, ask, ask after me in my streets. When I get angry, when I get, ah, go and ask, no, no, we, won't, we should not ask after you. That's asking after the wrong person. Don't boast in your ability to hold grudges. 
Don't get into the silent treatment. It will build bitterness. You know how it is when you're angry? Are you okay? Yes. But every, everybody, including the rat in the house, knows that madam is not happy. Offense will stop the blessing in our life. We must not give room for offense. There will be room to be offended, but we won't take those room. Praise the name of the Lord. The last one. It says, it does not think evil. 1 Corinthians 13.5. Let's use the New King James. It does not think evil. It does not think evil. The power of your thoughts. The power of your thoughts. One of the things I like about, 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 about life is that with our thoughts, we can shape our mind. Think that you will have a successful marriage. Think that you would have a blessed marriage. Are you following what I'm saying? Don't think evil. Don't think evil. Unfortunately, most of our themes train us to think evil. That's what they act. How many times have you watched films where they acted people having successful marriages? Very minimal. Am I right? What do we watch every day? We spend every day feeding our eyes on people who are cheating. People whose marriage are broken. People that house girl took their husband. That's what is in the conversation. Listen to me. We cannot put the wrong seed in our hearts and expect the right harvest. As a child of God, you must watch what you watch in the name of entertainment. Yeah, it's nothing. I'm just watching. Ah, it's nothing. Hey, somebody just relax. Don't relax with evil. Because you know what's going to happen? No information will leave you the same. After a while, you say, ah, the way he's dressing. That's how they dressed in that thing the day the bear wanted to go out. And whenever thoughts that are not of God comes into your mind, the Bible says you take them captive. Second Corinthians 10, 5. Take every thought captive. Once certain thoughts start coming to you regarding your marriage, take it captive. Take it captive. Say, no, in the name of Jesus, we have authority in this home. This is not going to happen. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So what are the four things we have said that can build a successful marriage? Number one, love does not behave rudely. Number two, love does not seek its own. Number three, love is not provoked. It's not easily angered. Number four, love thinks no evil. Can we read 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5 please? 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. We must have the ability to take thoughts captive. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. What that means is that if a thought comes to your mind regarding your husband and your wife that is not consistent with the word of God, you bring that thought captive. If you can deal with thoughts of your mind, you'll be able to have a successful marriage. Praise the name of the Lord. An English writer by the name of C.S. Lewis said, To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable in others because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. A successful marriage is fundamentally built on forgiveness. And we cannot define love without the parameters of forgiveness. Because in John chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. 
The context of the demonstration of God's love to us was the context of the cross. And the context of the cross was God speaking and saying, forgive them for they know not what they do. So we cannot talk about love without forgiveness. And just as God forgave the inexcusable in us, according to C.S. Lewis, we forgive the inexcusable in others. What does that mean? You get into marriage with advanced forgiveness. Knowing that you have enough forgiveness in your heart to be able to extend to your partner, knowing that Christ, while you were yet a sinner, died for you and forgave you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the richness of your word. And I'm asking, Father, that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that these words will bear fruits in our lives and in our marriages. And that in Jesus' name, that our marriages will be the better for it. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Praise God. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.